0: As the world lurches from one disaster to another, politicians seem frozen in a state of impotency and confusion. Some even question the very existence of the Church. While others ask, Is there a word from the Lord? Is there a solution to the problems that are tearing society apart? Today, John Carter will answer those questions. But first, we must begin by asking the most important question of all, What matters most?
1: can have all the gold, just give me Jesus. You can have all the wisdom this earth
0: can hold,
1: just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus when I'm lonely and I'm nowhere to
0: Oh What matters most, and how important is social action in bringing about a better world?
1: Hello, friend. I'm John Carter, here in Australia, which is, of course, the place of my birth. I'm trying to get back to the United States, but because of COVID-19, the Australian government has sealed the borders. So please say a little prayer for me. What matters most, how important is social activity. It's an alarming fact that Australia is no longer predominantly a believing nation. 25 years ago, 75% of Aussies believed in God. Today, the Australian government tells me, that number is down to 49%. So Christianity apparently is in a state of decline in the great land down under. And this, of course, once upon a time, was a country where 100% of the people believed in God and probably 95% of them believed in Jesus Christ. But today, only 49% of Aussies believe in God. So what matters most? Social action. Is that important? I'm sure it's important. I'm sure changes in society are needed and are called for. But the question today is a burning question. It is a question with, with great force. What really matters? What matters most? Now the Church of England in Sydney has elected a new archbishop. He's a gentleman from Shri. Lanka. His name is Kanishka Raphael from Sri Lanka. Once upon a time, he was a Buddhist, but somebody gave him a copy of the Gospel of John. And he read it through. And when he read it through, he discovered what matters most. And he became a believer in Christ. And they've elected him as the Archbishop of the Church of England. uh, In Sydney. Now, as some of you would know, the Great Church of England has got two wings. You've got the Low Church, that's evangelical and free and believes in the gospel, not too much ceremony. But then you've got the High Church, which is, forgive me, very stiff and starchy and has lots of ceremonies and not a lot of gospel. And so he's come into this position as Archbishop of the Great Church of England in the great city of Sydney in Australia, where only 49% of the people now believe in God. It's amazing, isn't it? And when he gave his opening speech, he spoke on what matters most. I'm going to read you the speech later on in this talk today. But going back Long time, back to 1982, that's before most of you folks were born. (laughs) 1982, the Carter Report conducted a tremendous, glory be to God, evangelistic campaign in the great Sydney Opera House. It didn't go for five days or five weeks. It went for five months, every weekend. And we talked about what matters most. At that time, or just after the lectures in the Sydney Opera House, I did a television program with Channel 9 in Sydney. Now, Channel 9 in those days may still be the same, was the most prestigious, the most influential television station in the whole of Australia. My special guest was the Reverend Fred Nile. For 40 years, he's just retired, for 40 years, Mr. Nile was an advocate for the truth of the Bible and the truth of Christianity. He fought same-sex marriage. Why? Because, quite frankly, he believes in freedom of speech and he believes that the Bible doesn't teach it. The Bible is against it. But if you were to ask the Reverend Fred Nile, who was the longest-serving member of the New South Wales Parliament, what matters most, he would not say social action. Or the work of Parliament, he would say the preaching of the gospel of Christ, which is the most potent force in society.
0: Have you seen the movie *Amazing Grace*? What motivated the main character, William Wilberforce, to bring about legislation that abolished the slave trade?
1: Well, the story of Wilberforce is a fantastic story. Yes, I have seen the movie *Amazing Grace*. I would recommend that every person go watch, or go get the video, or download it somehow, but see the movie *Amazing Grace*. It's about the abolition of the slave trade. It's a fantastic movie. And he was a member of the British Parliament. And he was a a, a tremendous voice for reason sanity and truth and uh, liberty. It's interesting how Wilberforce became a Christian. He was influenced to become a Christian and to advocate against the slave trade by none other then John Newton. Now, John Newton was the man who wrote the tremendous hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, John Newton had been the captain of a slave ship. Did you know this? But then he heard the preaching uh, of John Wesley. Why, bless your heart. John Wesley was a, a flame in the hand. Uh, Of Almighty God, I'm telling you today. He preached 42,000 sermons, travelled 360,000 miles on the back of a horse, wrote books, preached the gospel, and saved England from such a revolution as almost destroyed the great land of France, the bloody French Revolution. And so it was through the preaching of John Wesley who founded the Methodist church, that Wilberforce became a Christian because it was from Wesley to Newton and then to Wilberforce. And Wilberforce was was burning in his soul because of this infamous, iniquitous slave trade. And he he wrote these words. I'm going to see. I've got a quote from Wilberforce on slavery. My dear friends, listen up. The realities of slave transport reveal its inhumanity. 600 to 700 people in tight spaces, beaten, abused and even forced to entertain the crew. The death rate is appalling. 12.5% die in the Atlantic crossing. 4.5% more die of disease on shore before they are sold. Upon the whole, however, uh, there is a mortality rate of about 50% within the first year of being in the new world. So Newton, who gave us the hymn Amazing Grace, led Wilberforce to Christ. And it was John Wesley, his tremendous preaching, that saved the soul of the old slave trader, John Newton. And so this whole movement to release the slaves was not an atheistic thing. It was not something that came from the humanists because they've given nothing to the world. It was a God thing. It came through the preaching of the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you something. You can have all the social activity in the world. A lot of that social activity may be very good. You can have all the political agitation in the world. You can preach politics until the cows come home, my dear friend. But the greatest force for the regeneration of the human race is not found in pure politics. It is found in the gospel of Christ because the gospel of Christ Is what matters most.
0: Should the church and Christians be involved in lobbying Washington to
1: change society? Congressmen and senators ought to vote their conscience. Conscience ought to be above party politics. Now, a lot of senators and congressmen say today, I belong to such and such a party, do or die. I I belong to this wing of the party and therefore I vote what my party says. But a Christian, first and foremost, now hear me in this, my friend. Listen up very carefully. A Christian, first and foremost, is true to God and true to his conscience. And a Christian, if he's in the Senate or in the Congress or in the New South Wales Parliament or the Australian Parliament in Canberra, ought to vote his conscience and be true to God and his religious convictions. May I remind you, the Christians were involved with Dr Martin Luther King in his March for Freedom. What a disgrace was slavery. And most of the nations of the world have been involved in slavery, including the African nations. You say, no, 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 yes, 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 yes. The African nations were a part of the slave trade as well as America and uh, Great Britain and uh, the Muslims and uh, the Roman Catholics It took a man who was converted through the great preaching of John Wesley, John Newton, and Wilberforce to bring down the slave trade in Great Britain. Glory be to God. Now, should a Christian be involved in politics? If by politics you mean trying to change the world uh, by legislation that is going to make this world a better place, of course we want to make this world a better place. But today I'm talking about what matters most. And I believe it is the preaching of the gospel as done by John Wesley and John Newton and Wilberforce and other great preachers. I believe it is that preaching that matters most. That's what America needs more than anything else. That's what Australia needs more than anything else. Some would say that the Christian church in Australia has largely become a cosy literal club where people go to be entertained or or better still, to go to sleep. But the church is not called to be a cosy social club. It is called to be a mighty army. But to get back to your question, may I tell you that many Christians marched with Dr Martin Luther King And Martin Luther King, I want to tell my humanist friends, my atheist friends, he was not an atheist, he was not a humanist. Martin Luther King was a Baptist preacher. You say, is it true? I was talking to a person not very long ago who very strongly told me that this great civil rights movement was a thing that was brought about by the humanists the humanists say there's no god and man is the center of everything i told her that's that's absolute balderdash that's nonsense every great movement to better people lift up women help children defend the homeless defend the unborn to release the slaves every one of those great movements has been a movement that was led by God through the Holy Scriptures and the preaching of the gospel of Christ. That's a fact. It is the truth. I was amazed to discover only yesterday that in the world today there are still 50 million slaves in Africa, even slaves in the United States of America, certainly all through Asia and in China and in other places. And the greatest liberator of the slave uh, is the preaching of the gospel of Christ. May God raise up today, I say, for the glory of God, John Wesley's and Martin Luther's and Wilberforce's, men who will go forth with a, a flame, a flame coming out of their mouths. It is the flame of the gospel of Christ because the gospel matters most.
0: Do you believe in the union of church and state, and what are the consequences of such a union?
1: Thank you, Wayne. That is a great question. We are delighted to have you as our partner in these programs, Wayne. Thank you. Okay, there's a text over here in the book of Revelation, chapter 17. I want to read a bit of it to you. It's found in the Apocalypse. It says... I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. In Bible prophecy, listen, a harlot is the corrupt church. There are two churches in the Bible, the pure church and uh, the harlot church. It says, the great harlot with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. The kings of the earth married the church. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and so forth. Revelation chapter 17, dear friend of mine, is a picture of Antichrist. Are you listening? Antichrist in its very essence, is a union of church and state. It is where the church dominates the state and enforces religious laws. You say, has this ever happened? Of course it has. Have you not heard of the bloody Spanish Inquisition? That's when the Church of Rome ruled the world. This is just... History, you can go online, you can read about it, my friend. Hundreds of thousands of people were tortured and they were put to death. That's what happens when the church takes control of the power of the state. I have people tell me in America all the time, isn't it going to be wonderful when the church is in charge of the government and Jesus is the king of America? When Jesus, quote, is king of America, America will have become the Antichrist because the union of church and state is the very essence of Antichrist. I've been into museums in Europe, in Russia, where I've seen the Inquisition set up. It's an infernal thing. It's a thing that came from the very pit of hell. So I don't believe in the union of church and state. Having said that, listen, I believe that the church ought to have a tremendous influence in society for the good of society. Now let me read you a statement. The First Amendment of the great US Constitution, one of the greatest documents ever written in the history of the human race. It says. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Congress cannot set up a state religion and it can't stop the people setting up their own religions. That's This is the genius of America. Some people would do away with this. The humanists would do away with this. Foolish people would do away with this. It says, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now listen to me, my friend. This is the genius of America. No state church. But the state has got no right to try to muzzle the church. And if the church comes out and preaches strongly against what the government is doing, that is the God-given right of that church. I believe in freedom of speech. I'm a Christian minister. I have the right, not from the government, but from God, because God made me. I'm a child of God. I don't believe, like the humanists believe, that I'm something nothing. I know where I came from, I'm not an accident, I'm not a cosmic accident. The humanist says that man is simply an accident, he came from nothing. What absolute nonsense I say. I believe that man came from the hand of God and man has got certain unalienable rights as it says in the Constitution, the right to liberty. And I believe in the freedom of speech And I believe that I have the right to disagree with the government on same sex marriage, on abortion, or anything else, because that is my privilege, not just as a citizen of the United States or of Australia, but as a child of God.
0: Is there a better way to change the world without politics?
1: Now, is there a better way to change the world without politics? politics let me say this you can't legislate morality now this is what is so frustrating and so people are all the time in congress fighting to get more laws through to make people better you don't make people better by legislation they say we're going to have legislation so that we do away with all racism Well, that's fine. That's good. God bless you. But let me tell you folks something, and please listen to me. There's something which is far more important than legislation, and that is changing people's hearts. You see, it is only the gospel of Christ that can change a person's heart. And that is why I believe what matters most is the preaching of the gospel of Christ that changes people's hearts. Now I've got some amazing truths to tell you. Now listen to this because most people don't know this. Most people have never studied this. Most people are completely ignorant of the great facts of history. There was a time when Europe went down into the dark ages. They called it the dark ages because it was. It was a time when the church and the state ruled the world together the church dominated the state and the church persecuted people and put millions of people to death because they were individuals. They were dissidents. They thought for themselves. I say hooray for the dissident. But then there came the great Protestant Reformation. People say, what on earth was this Protestant Reformation? Well, there came a man who was sent from God And his name was Martin Luther. And he was a great Roman Catholic priest, a doctor of theology. And as he read his Bible, he made some amazing discoveries. He discovered that our problem is basically spiritual and that we are not saved by the Pope and we're not saved by the church, but we are saved by Jesus Christ alone. This great movement started in Germany. And then it spread across the Channel. It went to Great Britain. And then it spread around the world. And the countries that accepted the teachings of the Protestant Reformation became the most prosperous countries in the world. You say, oh no, this is sort of racism." No, 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 it's not racism, it's history. We're interested in facts in this program. We're not interested in opinions. You Remember, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so the countries that accepted the truth of uh, freedom, the truth of the gospel, which says that Christ died for me and I am saved when I give my life to Christ and my soul is not in the hands of the Vatican or any other church. These people became tremendously liberated. Those countries became, there's no question about it, they became the most prosperous, the most healthy, the most amazing countries in the world. I can mention them to you. Great Britain, Germany, United States of America, America is America because she accepted the teachings of the Puritans. Who were the Puritans? The Puritans were Protestants who had discovered the truth of the gospel. What matters most, you you ask me? I will tell you very plainly. It is the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that liberates and saves the soul and saves society.